0: Rachel, we love you. You do such an incredible job. I've heard nothing but amazing reports about Miss Rachel overseeing and loving and directing our kids, and we are so grateful for you. You are an incredible blessing to this house. Friends, good morning. It's so good to see all of you. I actually like sitting up here while they're doing the announcements because it just lets me take the room in a little bit and see your faces, those of you that I know well, that I've known for two decades, and those of you that I've not met at all. And it just allows me to kind of just kind of see you and, uh, and also try to discern, Lord, what are you up to this morning? Um, I don't think everything is spiritual warfare, but I do believe that we have an enemy. Oh, yeah. And I am also, I've been in this long enough to know that the enemy doesn't like what's happening at New Life Midtown. In fact... He would like nothing more than to just squash everything that's going on here. There is a momentum. There are, there are people's lives that are being deeply affected and impacted by the reality of who God is. Um, we've experienced two church combinations or two church joinings over the course of two years. And those things do violent assault to the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy doesn't like that. He's watching and he's seeing people's hearts come alive again, and he doesn't like that. He sees people getting serious about following God, pressing into the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't like that. And I love it. I love it. In fact, a couple of weeks, I think it was was the middle of the week between... Easter Sunday and Baptism Sunday. Either that or it was the week after Baptism Sunday. But I was, I was like, man, these high numbers are great, but they kind of feel like, they feel false. They feel fake. Right? You know, we've, you know, Easter Sunday, you don't really know who's with you. Baptism Sunday, you don't really know who's with you. So I was praying strong that week and saying, Lord, I just feel like we just need to, I need to pick a fight. We just need to draw a line in the sand and see who's like really with us. And some of you guys were in the room where we were like, Lord, like this is your house, and we are not backing down from this. And like whoever stays after that, you know, if they can stay through a message like that, you know they're they're with you. And so for those of you who were there on that Sunday and you stayed, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so I'm so grateful. During worship, I texted a few intercessor friends of mine, and I'm actually going to cast this nut out wide. I want us to pray this morning. I feel like What I'm supposed to impart this morning is really, really important. And in fact, I texted our production guy yesterday because I'm supposed to get our notes in by Thursday and I've just, I've wrestled with this message all week long. It was one of those messages where it just, it just wouldn't come together. Uh, The target on the wall was really fuzzy and, uh, and I was just doing a lot of internal wrestling myself and I feel like, what I'm supposed to impart into the house is really critical for setting all of us up for success in this season and teaching us how to overcome the plans of the enemy. I have never looked at the book of 1 John as a warfare book, but the book of 1 John is a warfare book. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to teach you guys about spiritual warfare. See? We bind you, devil. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Let's pray that the Lord would just clean out the atmosphere and prepare our hearts. And let's pray that the Lord would give us an anointing for what he wants to impart into the house today. Holy Spirit, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We thank you that you're present here and that you're doing incredible work for the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for the anointing of God that teaches us all things, that destroys the yoke of bondage, that sets people free. Lord, we thank you for an anointing to preach and proclaim the gospel with power and authority. Lord, we thank you for an anointing to hear and to receive and to respond to the word of God. Father, we thank you for an anointing this morning to open up blinded eyes and to remove veils that keep us in spiritual darkness and that make us pawns and pray to the enemy. Father, we pray right now that you would clean out this atmosphere. Lord, that you would do mighty warfare in the spirit around us. And God, that this would be a moment Another moment, Lord, where we plant a flag in the ground and Father, where we draw a line in the sand and we say, Lord, we're gonna gonna move with you and we're gonna be victorious and we're gonna learn how to fight and we're gonna learn how to overcome by the power of God and by the presence of His Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. By the way, this past Wednesday we had a teaching on the Holy Spirit. And if you were with us last week, you may recall that I said, I just feel like in preparation of Pentecost that I need to lean in and teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who are here on Wednesday, it may have felt like a little bit of a bait and switch because we didn't really even get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we spent the entire hour and a half talking about the person and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which is foundational. Like you can't, if you have no... Deep foundation or deep friendship or deep history with the Holy Spirit. You can't really even get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think, without talking about the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this Wednesday, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It Starts at 630, and I invite all of you to come, and uh, we're going to have a time of prayer, and uh, we're going to lay hands, and we're just going to believe that God's Spirit is going to be poured out. And if you don't receive your prayer language or you don't receive what some may have called the baptism of the Holy Spirit on this Wednesday night, don't you worry about it. That's not the goal. The goal is for our hearts to be prepared, for the soil to be tenderized, and for the seed of faith to be sown inside of us so that we can have understanding and we can partner our faith with understanding. Amen? So if you're available, I encourage all of you guys to come. By the way, we are recording these, and if you cannot make it on a Wednesday night, and you are interested in hearing these teachings, we'll make sure that we get them out to you. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. 1 John, chapter 5. We've been in a series in the letter of 1 John. This is our fifth installment. And it's, it's a little bit of a travesty. It's, it's, it's a shame, honestly, that we can't spend... About 12 to 16 weeks on this. Because even though John repeats himself over and over and over again, I have found that even in that redundancy or that within that repetition, John is reiterating the same message from different angles. And it has different iterations, which have different implications for our lives. Every time he hits the love of God or the righteousness of God, it's, it's almost like, oh, you see it from a completely different vantage point. And I'm hoping that today as we talk about the love of God in the context of spiritual warfare, that it kind of makes another light bulb come off for you. Amen. Amen. So let's go here and read First John chapter 1 beginning in, am sorry, First John chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If you're born of God today, I want you to say, I'm born of, God. born of God. Friends, that is more powerful than you can even begin to imagine. In fact, as I was just meditating on this and praying over the message and thinking about this day, this phrase, born of God, just kept messing with me. Because I'm more familiar with John chapter 3, where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus and he's telling Nicodemus that you must be born again. And so the notion of being born again, I think, has lost a little bit of its power. So John comes back 50 years later and he communicates the same idea, but he communicates in it a different way. You're not just born again, you're born of God. You are born of God. Which means that the DNA and the life of God are pulsing through your spiritual veins. You have the DNA of God himself inside of you. That's powerful. I think that all of us are living beneath our potential in God. Because you are born of God. God is inside of you. His life is inside of you. The God who created everything that we see in the cosmos, dwells within you. And that, my friends, is powerful. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and by carrying out his commands. Again, John is saying the same thing, but he's saying it from a different way. This time, he's saying That you know that you love God's children because you love God. Now, all throughout 1 John, we've been hearing, if you love God, then love his people. Right? Those of you who have been tracking, if you love God, the test of your love, the validity, the verification, the evidence of your love for God is that you will love his people. Now he's saying that the validity of you loving his people is that you love him. And again, he's saying the same thing, but he's saying it in a different way. And essentially what he's trying to tell the people there in the Johannine community is, you can trust your love for God's people because you love God. We're, keep reading. This is all going to come together. Beginning in verse 3 again. In fact, this is love for God. What is it? To keep his commands. What are his commands exactly? They're very, very simple. Over and over and over again in John's letter, there are two commands that he keeps leaning in on. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he came in the flesh. And number two, love God's people. Right? To make it really, really simple, I'll say it like this. The command that John keeps emphasizing and repeating over and over again is this. Love God with all your heart and love God's people as yourself. That's it. So then he says... This is love for God, to keep His commands, to love God with all your heart, to love His people. And then watch this His commands are not burdensome. How many of you ever felt like the commands of God are burdensome? You ever felt like that? And this is what John is saying all of the commands in the Old Testament and the New can be distilled to these two things love God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And from that love, love God's people. And this is what he says. Guys, this right here, it's not burdensome. In other words, the apostle John is saying, this is not beyond you. He is saying, you've got this. He is saying, it's not unrealistic for me to tell you to love God and to love God's people. These are not burdensome commands. Verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John sneaks in throughout his letter he kind of drops in amongst this large overarching narrative to love God and love people. He sneaks in the fact that we are in a battle and that we have enemies. Turn with me to first John chapter two, look at verse 14. This is the first time that John mentions the fact that we have an enemy and he, categorically there's three types of enemies that John lays out for us in this letter 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, you may recall that John is addressing different categories of people that he's writing the letter to, children, fathers, and young people. And this is what he says at the end of verse 14. He says, I write to you, young ones, those of you who are adolescents in the faith, which we discovered that most of us are in this season of learning how to become strong. And he says, I write to you because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have, here's our word, overcome the evil one. You have overcome, you are learning to overcome, you are standing in the victory that Jesus has purchased over the enemy and you're learning how to remain in victory. How many of you know that we don't just fight once, right? We don't just fight one battle and win one battle, like we, we fight every day. And some days we get it, and some days that, man, that right there, that was practice. That was training ground. I try to frame this for all the young people that I coach, whether it's my son or my children or other young people that I coach, like, Get your eyes off of whether or not you won or lost and pay attention to whether or not you developed. Pay attention to whether or not something, did did you learn something? Did your IQ increase? Did your fortitude and your stamina, did your ability to compete in a healthy way, did that grow? Did your skill set grow? Were you able to suffer defeat And allow that defeat to shape you in a healthy way and to not be overcome by it. Friends, every single day is training day. Every day is training day. And this is what John is saying. He is saying for a good chunk of your Christian life, you're going to learn. You are in the battlefield of learning how to learn from your battle with the enemy. Look with me at 1 John chapter 4. So we have an enemy. He is the evil one. And every day we are in this battle against the evil one. Look at 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Incarnational theology, Christology here. Again, we've talked about this in earlier messages, how critical it is for us to believe Oh, Jesus wasn't just some spirit. He wasn't an apparition. It wasn't that God kind of landed on a body and then disappeared when he was crucified. Jesus Christ, the eternal word, was made flesh. If our spirituality is not lived out, in concrete reality, it is false. And if it is false, it lacks power against the enemy. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus is, is from God that you can trust that spirit. Look at verse 3. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Very simple. In fact, he says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. If I had time today, I'd bring a lot of correction to a lot of false beliefs about the Antichrist, right and how throughout all of history we've just kind of pegged this big boogeyman idea oh the hitler is the antichrist and then mussolini is the antichrist and then anybody who embodies some political ideology that we don't agree with is all of a sudden the antichrist and according to john he's saying listen the spirit of the antichrist has been around since then this is what he says so we'll save that for our revelation series. But look at verse 4. You dear children are from God. Say I'm from God. I'm from God. You are from God. And because you are from God, you have overcome them. Say I have overcome them. So in 1 John chapter 2 we find that we have an enemy. It is in fact the evil one. And then in 1 John chapter 4, we find out that we also have another type of enemy and these are called false teachers. False teachers are your enemies. False teachers, people who want to come in and sow confusion and division around who Jesus Christ is, they are enemies to the church. They are enemies to the faith. And we have to learn how to fight in a godly, healthy way that enables us to overcome them. But this is what John says. He says, you're from God and You have overcome them. You have overcome them. You have the ability within you by the Spirit of God. You have the power within you by the Spirit of God. You have the ability to discern by the Spirit of God inside of you. You do not have to succumb to false teachers and false religions and false ideas and false ideologies about who Jesus is. Right? Stay anchored in community, stay anchored in the word of God, become familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will learn how to discern truth from error and overcome them. All right, let's go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. To be born of God is to have the power of God to live the Christian life. To be born of God is to have the power of God to live the Christian life. You have God's power at your disposal. It has been entrusted unto you. In fact, we find in Peter's epistle where Peter encourages and admonishes the church of that day and he says, everything that you need for life and godliness has been made available to you. How many of you, whenever you come up against a problem, whatever that problem is, maybe you find that you've, your, your lymph nodes are swelling and you're like, this feels a little uncomfortable. Uh, you, you come down with with you know, a variation of the flu, and then what's the first thing we do? Let's be honest. WebMD, right? We pull out our phone, and we start Googling. We, we commit the one thing that we're not supposed to do, right? And that's we over-educate, and we self-educate with all of the massive amounts of information that are out there. What do we do when we come up against, you know, a do-it-yourself project at home? We jump on YouTube, and we just watch All of these different videos that teach us. And thank God for massive amounts of information and people with way too much time on their hands to show us how to do things. I thank God for them. Those are resources. Resources that have been made available to you to help you whenever you come up against a challenge or against a problem. Friends, the Spirit of God and the Word of God have been given to you, and the DNA of God, the power and the ability of God has been given to you for every challenge that you face in the earth. Marital challenges, challenges with your children, Challenges on parenting, challenges with your roommates, challenges on how to remain pure, challenges on how to overcome sin, challenges on how to remain strong when all you want to do is just buckle and run away. God has given you the very DNA of God to help you withstand the internal and external challenges and pressure of the enemy to take you out. You have the ability of God. You have the power of God. To be born of God is to have the power of God. To be born of God, watch this, is to love God and to love one another. Another way of saying that is you have the power of God inside of you by the DNA of God. Because you have been born of God, you have the ability of God to love God and to love one another. How do we overcome? We overcome by loving God and by loving one another. I'm gonna connect all these dots. Just let me just set all these out and then they're all gonna come together. So if we're born of God, we have God's ability within us. John says, because you are born of God, that will be tested by whether or not you love God and you love one another. And if you are born of God, you have God's power to love God and love one another. And then he says, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. How do we overcome the world? By loving God and by loving one another, which we have the power to love God and to love one another because we've been born of God. Come on, guys, this is really good stuff. We overcome the world by loving God and loving one another. Go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. What are those commands? To love God and to love one another, and those commands... Those commands are not burdensome. They're not too heavy. They're not impossible. So God's command to believe in him, to love God, and God's command to love one another, it is you are able to do that, not in your own strength and in your own ability. You have the power of God to fulfill God's commands, and because you have the power of God to fulfill his commands, they're not burdensome. I'm gonna feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over and over again, but it's okay because John repeats himself. Right. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight through thirty. I'm hoping and believing that for some of you, some something clicks. Like maybe on the 30th time that I say the exact same phrase, something clicks. And it begins like illumination and revelation come and it begins to make sense. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, all of you who are weary and burdened, anybody ever experienced being weary and burdened, right? And there is a type of weariness and there is a type of burden that is not just living in this world. I mean, life is so fast. There's so much that's coming at us. We're trying to figure out like how to do life well. We're trying to figure out how to balance so many things, an onslaught of communication that's just, it's a deluge of information that's coming at us. And if we're not careful, we'll always feel like we're failing. And that's where I think most of us feel frustrated and fatigued and exhausted and burned out because there are so many messages that are coming our way and we're trying to be incredible at all of it. And I just don't think that, we're called to be incredible at all of it. We're called to be faithful and obedient to the thing that God puts in front of us. That's right. God knows the curriculum. He knows the syllabus for your development. Uh-huh. So this is what Jesus says. All of you who are fatigued and worn out and broken down, not only by life, but by the burdens of religion. Watch what he says. He says, come, come to me, uh-huh. come to me, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest is a weapon of warfare. Rest is a weapon of warfare. One of the most spiritual things you can do in your battle against the enemy to overcome is go to sleep. Some of you, okay, I'm just going to tell on myself, I have made some really poor decisions in life when I was tired. Yesterday, we had our biannual deep clean in the Duncan household, right? So it's all those things that you just ignore, you, you know, cleaning on top of the fridge, inside the fridge, baseboards, window track sills, the whole deal, right? And so, man, we're just hustling. As soon as we get up in the morning, we have a good breakfast, and I write down this list of everything on the whiteboard. We're divvying out assignments, And probably about 2 o'clock, I'm about three hours past lunchtime, and all of a sudden, like, you just get hangry. (laughs) Like, we ordered Chick-fil-A. I'm like, why are they not here yet? (laughs) Why are my French fries so soggy? You're just like snippy. Like, what is that? But you don't react well when you're tired and when you're hungry. Rest is one of the most spiritual things that you can do. You remember that story when Jesus says, asleep in the boat, and everyone's like, ah, what's going on? You know what he was doing? He was fighting from a place of rest. Some of us are trying to fight the enemy from a place of fatigue, from a place of internal chaos, from a place of internal anxiety, from a place of internal condemnation, and you cannot fight the enemy when you're tired and frustrated with yourself. You can't do it. You will never win. You have to get into the yoke of Jesus. Lord, get me into that place where the rest of God is where I'm making my decisions from. I'm responding from that place of holy rest. Some of you, the, the, the answer isn't more, the answer is less. The answer isn't fight more and scream more and yell more and get more scriptures and prophesy more. The answer is pull back, quiet yourself, and get a steadying word from God that will silence the noise of the enemy, and then your solution will come. Come to me, all you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's look at the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle And I am humble. If you're reacting in a way that is not gentle or humble, you're probably not operating in the rest of God. Gentle and humble. I can always tell when there's like internal angst inside of me because I'm not gentle and I'm not humble. Right? I'm snappy, I'm irritable, and I'm arrogant. That's just me. I know you guys are way more mature than me, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling, I'm just letting y'all know right now, this this is how it manifests in my life. I'm irritant and I'm arrogant. I'm not gentle and I'm not humble. And when you see that coming out of you, don't justify it, don't defend it, don't blame shift it, don't shift it over to someone else, don't talk about situations and circumstances, own that junk and say, God, show me how to get back... Into the yoke of God and into the space of rest. Amen. Fight from rest. Earlier in our marriage, Christy and I, we would, you know, I'd, I'd lay a hold of these verses like, don't go to sleep. If you got angst with your brother or sister, don't let the sun go down and be angry. And man, I took that as literal as maybe 4 a.m. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, we ain't figured this out yet. She's dying over there. She's like, please. It's just, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm just like white knuckling this thing. No, the Bible says that we're not, you know, one of the best things for my marriage is where we can go, you know what? We're not getting anywhere with this. Let's push pause. Let's go to sleep. And it's amazing. Six to eight hours of rest. You wake up, you got perspective. The emotions have subsided and you realize you know what? This wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. And you have the ability to have a good, wholesome, healthy, productive conversation when you're not tired or hungry or irritable when you get into that place of rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look at verse 30. That's where I really wanted to get to. For my yoke is easy and my burden is easy is light. What did John say? What did 1 John chapter five, verse three say? He says, my commands are not burdensome. And again, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, my yoke, my way, loving God and loving people. This is the way that you overcome. This is not burdensome. This is light. Okay, I've, 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 gotta, I've gotta get to two really important things. Try to say how say what I want to say. This love is your most powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. Amen. Love, love is your most powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. I have never heard this. There was a season in our spiritual development, and the particular church that we were in, and the voices that we were listening to, and. And you can walk away feeling like spiritual warfare is all up to you. Like you've just got to press in and do more and and kind of match intensity with intensity. And again, when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus never matches intensity with intensity. Jesus never powers up when he fights a battle. He always downshifts. It's incredible. Like watch Jesus. Watch the way Jesus does jujitsu. Watch the way Jesus fights. He disarms everyone that's around him. And he doesn't do it by exerting more force or more power or more control. He doesn't do it that way. He does it with love. Love is the most powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. And here's why. The enemy has no counterattack against love. Let's, let's go here to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and what I want to do is I want to tackle this from a personal level, and then I want to do my best to try to translate this out to a societal, cultural level, and then kind of wrap this all up in a bow by helping us understand that the way you win, the way you fight, the way you overcome is by your trust in Jesus and by your love for one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let's take a look at these verses. This is Paul speaking. And he's on the heels, he's kind of readdressing a messy situation that has happened within the church at Corinth. In the first letter that Paul writes, some of you may recall, he's rebuking, he's correcting spiritually. As an apostle and a spiritual father, he's calling out something that is happening in that community that is very, very lewd and inappropriate. And essentially, Paul says, in order for us to preserve the integrity and the health and the life of the church, you got to remove this person. Man, we don't have time to go into just the reality that sometimes in order for there to be a season of health and stability, you've got to remove the problem person from the equation and establish boundaries. That's that's probably a whole other just workshop that Dr. Jim can teach us on. And Valerie can teach us on on just how to maintain good, healthy relationships by establishing and maintaining good, healthy boundaries. But that's what happens in 1 Corinthians. Paul then is now circling back, and in his second letter to the church of Corinth, listen to what he says here in verse 2. You're going to miss the full range of the context, but I think you'll have enough to realize what's going on. This is what Paul says, verse 10. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now here's what Paul, Paul is saying. Guys, we've corrected this person. We've exercised spiritual discipline to this person. But the purpose of spiritual discipline is not to let someone rest in the condemnation of the enemy. The purpose of spiritual discipline is to bring people back to union and restoration with Jesus, and then we need to bring them back into the family. That's what Paul is saying. Now watch what he says in verse 11. He says this, we forgive this person in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. This is where it's going to get real for the next few minutes. The phrase right here in the NIV, it says, in order that Satan may not outwit us, some of your translations say, in order that Satan may not take advantage of us. Listen to this language. The enemy is always trying to get the upper hand. Like if we, whether it's individual combat from UFC to boxing or whether it's like large scale combat, like one of the tactics of victory in warfare is to gain an advantage. And the enemy is always looking for a way to gain an advantage in your life. Some of the ways that this word outwit and take advantage are translated is so that Satan may not excel over us. So that Satan may not Show himself to be superior over us or surpass us. Or look at this, overreach and possess the greater portion. Now look at the context here. What is Paul talking about? How do we prevent the enemy from overreaching and and gaining the greater portion in our lives? Forgiveness. 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 If love is one of the greatest spiritual weapons that we have in our battle against the enemy, false teachers, and the world, then forgiveness is the bullet in the, in the gun of love. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that I'm, I'm just like, this has been an amazing honeymoon season hasn't it? I mean, the past two and a half months, these are the kind of stories that people write books and articles about. What has happened here has been nothing short of miraculous and beautiful. There are other pastors and there are other churches that are telling the New Life Midtown ABC story all across the city. It is a God story and it is burning up the enemy. Here's what the enemy is going to try to do. The enemy is going to try to get you in a place of offense with this church. Oh, man. You know, 20-year-old Jade would ask you to raise your hands and say, how many of you guys, but I'm not doing that. I'm 45-year-old Jade now. I've matured just a little bit. But I'm letting you know I thought it. I thought it. I'm so curious how many of us have been offended by something? Someone sat in my seat, this darn parking lot is too small, and I, you know, what do you mean you want me to, t- Mr. Terry's trying to tell me how to park however I want to, and there's, your coffee ran out, and the music's too loud, and they're too charismatic, and what about this? And Like, listen, all of those little trivial things, you know what they are? They are, they're the bait of Satan, to get you into a place of offense to stop the flow of the love of God and the power of God working through your life. Like this, this is where we needed to land. This is what the enemy has been fighting against all week long. And even this morning, some of you are nursing resentment and unforgiveness, with your spouse, and you're wondering why. Why do, we, why do we have no intimacy? Because your resentment and your unforgiveness has blocked the flow of the power of God from working in your life. Some of you have stalemated in your spiritual maturity, and it's because of Unforgiveness. Some of you have blocked up the flow of the Holy Spirit from working in your life, and it's because of unforgiveness. Some of you are wondering, why aren't my gifts being used? You know why? Because nobody wants your gift to be used when it's not flowing through the love that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit because it's blocked up by unforgiveness. You're you're resentful. I'm not resentful. (laughs) Your mom's resentful. Y'all got to hear this. We are not unaware of his schemes. Look, look, look at that verse there. We are not unaware of his schemes. Like things have been going so fast that I've almost become unaware of the enemy's schemes. But I see you. And friends, I'm telling you, this is a benchmark day in our church and the life, and the health, and the future of our church, if we allow unforgiveness, resentment, complaining, slander, gossip, division, if we allow that into the well of the water of this house, it's not spiritual to not talk about it, by the way. It's not spiritual to nurse those things and go, ah, I just you're so busy and I don't want to be a problem. No, 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 no. If you're nursing that and you're talking about that with other people, I'm here to tell you right now, it's blocking the flow of the life and the power of God in your life. That's right. Well, what do we do? You get honest with it. You grow up. You get mature. Like, step back and realize that it's not all about you. Identify. Some some of us are carrying a victimized spirit. Like you're a victim to everything. It's always somebody else's fault and you're always frustrated about something and the world is against you and you never take any ownership for any of the junk in your life. And I'm here to tell you today, the power of God can break that off of your life. Some of you get offended right now. And my, oh man, okay, let me just. There is very little that the enemy can do against you directly. Think about this. Let me me just, let me end here. Like some of you are so afraid of the enemy. The enemy can't touch you. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. This is why John can say, You are bought by the blood of Jesus. Let me have the worship team come up just for accountability. (laughs) You are bought by the blood of Jesus. The person and the power of God are inside of you, and the enemy knows there is nothing he can do to directly put his hands on your life. So you know what he does? He just sows little traps so that you will disqualify yourself by offense and unforgiveness. That's how he gets you. That's how he gets you. He causes you to disqualify the work of God by being in opposition with one another, by nursing judgments against one another, by talking down and demeaning and disparaging one another. By being suspicious and closed off to one another. That, friends, listen, this is why at the end of John's book, after he has said the message over and over and over and over again, he goes, And by the way, don't forget, you're in a battle, you've overcome, and here's how you've overcome. You've got to love God enough that you love his people. Amen. You've got to love God enough. That you love as people. And let me end with this. Revelation chapter 12. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Second accountability. I'm, I'm just going to preach part two in the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. Look at this. They triumphed over him. Who's the him here? By, they triumphed over the enemy. The people that were persecuted under the oppression and under the trial and the adversity of the world. This is what Jesus says. They, they overcame, but they overcame by something very, very specific. And what was that? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Here's how you overcome. The assault, the sneaky attacks, The attempts of the enemy to take advantage of you. The blood of the lamb. What is the message of 1 John? The message of 1 John is you must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. If Jesus Christ isn't the son of God, you cannot overcome the enemy. If Jesus Christ didn't die on a bloody cross in order for you to have victory, you cannot overcome your faith cannot withstand the trial of the hour if Jesus was not, in fact, the Son of God. How else did they come? By the word of their testimony. What does this mean? How do we, how, how do we, how do we tie this in? Who do you testify to? You testify to one another you testify. And when you testify to one another, something is strengthened in you and something is strengthened in them. So if the enemy can cut you off from one another by offense, he, is, he has stolen your testimony That's right. if you have removed yourself from community. How do we overcome? We love God and we love one another. Friends, let's just sing here for a few minutes and we'll come to the table. See.